Hey everybody, welcome back to Linuxcast. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Tyler. So yes, this is the Linuxcast. We talk about Linuxy things, usually. And as I say every week, this is the week we're not going to have any tangents whatsoever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Alright. Sure. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure somebody believes us. Alright, you know, nobody believes us. If you vote, I mean, there's probably that one guy like, oh, well, that's nice. No tangents. The guy, they're just going to stay right on topic. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Did somebody, I'm watching in 360p. <laughs> Alright, anyways. Um, so, anyways, the Linux cast. we got to do the podcast, Matt. Time to get your head in the game. So, Tyler, what have you done in the FOSS world this week? Well, if I'm being completely honest, um, this week has been kind of crazy for me because I've been um, out of town. The 28th, I left um, like on a flight to Colorado and helped um, one of my Discord members, Arch Center. Some people will probably know him or have heard of him. Um, but I went over to his house and helped him move and drove back down. So I just got back like last night. And so I haven't really been doing much at all with a computer, YouTube. I didn't really post anything cause I mean, it's just moving and then driving. It's like, there's nothing really exciting there to like document other than like, Oh, Hey, we're driving through Kansas. Look. There's nothing here. Like, <laughs> like yeah, we just went through Iowa. Hey, look, there's some corn. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, um, but now that I'm back, I'm, uh, so I'm using windows right now just because I needed to mess around with unreal engine and get something done really quick. And if you know anything about unreal engine, um, and Epic, they're not really great at, you know, like supporting Linux, but you can actually build unreal engine from source on linux you just can't get it like for a download like binary straight from the launcher obviously so um i just went ahead and installed windows because i needed to get working on it and that because that would be much easier than downloading all of the source code for unreal engine 5 and then compiling it because if anybody here has no idea unreal engine is massive in size and definitely takes about as long, if not much longer than Firefox to compile. (laughs) It's pretty gnarly. So, um, but I am going to go ahead and um, put Linux back on here as my host machine uh, and then just do a KVM setup and pass my graphics card through to a VM and um, just do that for windows if i need to do anything in windows from now on because i don't really like having it as my host like at all like main host system it's okay to do stuff in like you know like when you need to use windows it's it's okay but like there's just a lot of stuff that i would prefer to have kind Mm -hmm. of like put down in a vm like kind of containerized and kind of do the mudahar approach but um, I have no idea what I'm going to pick for my host machine. I was really liking Debian, but I feel like I should like try something else. Just mm. spruce it up. Should definitely be Gen two. Um, so it, it is too bad that you have that mini um, toy motherboard thing that doesn't have an appropriate number of 
you know, PCIe slots because if you had a regular size motherboard, they have these NVIDIA graphics cards. They have no ports on them whatsoever, and you can get them on eBay for like twenty five, thirty dollars. Um, mm-hmm. and you could just use that as your VM, um, GPU, because it doesn't need a, 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 a uh, ports on the, that stuff. The way that like a virtual machine, like doing the KVM pass through and stuff typically works out is you can't really use the like splice, like the built in, like VM display thing that they give you because it like you can't actually get 60 fps from it i mean you, it actually like it's really hard to get it above one hertz craft computing um, was showing how to do it so um i'm not sure there was some workaround he had to get it to work but it looked really cool i'm not sure what his end, of, end performance was but it sounded yeah, really i'll have cool. to look at that um because as far as i've ever done is like you just pass through the graphics card and then you just switch your monitor to that output and then you have like your Windows VM on the monitor, um, and you'll get full display, like resolution. Well, not just obviously resolution, but also like refresh rate. But I haven't tried it out, so I need to. I need to do that. But hopefully, as soon as like because now I've got time, I've I've I got a lot farther in the project that I uh, that I need to get done in Unreal. So um, I kind of have time to compile it so i'm hoping that i really don't need to use the windows vm like ever but how because really unreal engine's the only reason i'm using it now i have a feeling i know the answer to this but how does unreal engine work with wine so could you just use wine to do oh no 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 okay just i'll try no what about bottles it's wait what what about bottles there's a bottles there's a app called bottles that helps you run windows applications on linux highly doubt it like just because unreal engine is a massively complex program very gpu dependent probably right uh, yes um very gpu dependent but also a very i mean it's it's both gpu and cpu dependent um it's a gorgeous engine it's absolutely gorgeous and yeah it's, it's really nice but that's pretty much what I've been up to. All right. So let's get to you. I'm, I'm interested to hear what you've been up to. Let me take you through a story, shall we? So Sunday night. So okay. So actually, it started late later last week. I tweeted out that if the Warriors won their series the, in the Western Conference Finals, that I would install Gentoo, and they won. So I on, on Sunday night I paid that bet and streamed me installing gen 2 and despite somehow messing up the kubuntu live environment right at the beginning of the stream uh it went perfectly fine got it installed and i was going to use that originally my plan was to install that on my main hard drive like my nvme one terabyte drive and use Gen 2 as my actual daily driver like arco was going away because i wanted arco to go away because they've been changing so much stuff and I don't really care for the direction that they're going anymore. So I was going to find a new thing, and Gen 2 was going to be it. And it installed fine. And the next day, with a little bit of help from Ben I, and Josh, I was able to get everything up and running just fine. And it was actually working better this time than it did the last time I got installed. Like everything, There's no screen tearing. 
uh, I was able to get i3 up and running, Polybar up and running, all my configs, all of my applications there, even like Crusader and, you know, um, a couple other like really big apps, all compiled and everything was working. And then uh, I I was prodded into uh, installing SDDM. And I did that, and it worked fine. <laughs> it installed fine. And I did the, I, I rebooted, got into SDDM, the, the display manager, and the keyboard and the mouse would not work. So uh, I sat there and waited for like five minutes, and eventually the key, the mouse started working, and I was able to put the cursor or the the I beam in the text box to type my password in. Got the password working, and the keyboard started working then. So I was like, well, screw this. I'll just go back to the way it was before and just use StartX. So I uninstalled SDDM, removed it from OpenRC, and changed the appropriate file back to the way it was so that it knew I was using um, uh, StartX instead of using SDDM. And uh, rebooted the computer, got into it. it. It loaded fine into the TTY, but the keyboard wouldn't work. Like, the keyboard wouldn't work at all in the TTY. So, I was like, well, you know what? Uh, maybe there's, you know, something going wrong with the USB port or something, I guess. So, I switched to a different USB port. Like, I know that the keyboard is fine because the keyboard is brand fucking new. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, like, the keyboard is fine. Plus, it was working fine before the whole SDDM thing, right? So, uh, no matter what I did, did if I could not get the keyboard to work. And even unplugging it and plugging it back in, like, once... it. The keyboard would turn on, so like it has like a, a RGB underglow, right? And so when, mm -hmm. when the the PC turns on, that light comes on. When I unplug it, and it would stay on into the TTY. But if I unplugged it, the keyboard and plugged it back in, it would never turn back on. Like the RGB would just stay completely blank. So that Gen 2 install was completely borked. And well, I left it on there for a little while, and um, Ben helped me a little bit. And I got on r slash Gen 2 on Reddit and asked the question. The only help that I got on r slash Gen 2 was, well, obviously your keyboard's broken. Like, I'm an idiot. I'm not that much of an idiot. Plus, it was working just fine on Arco, which I still had installed, right? Mm -hmm. So, I was like, well, you know what? My NVMe is getting pretty full. Like, I only had like 20% free space on my NVMe. So... I got on Amazon, ordered myself a two terabyte Sabrent drive, NVMe, and got that here. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to put this in my computer. I'm going to install Gen 2 on it. But this time, I'm going to be bold. I'm going to do it all by myself. I like it. That did not go well. <laughs> huh. It went fine up until I got to Gen Kernel. And then I did the Gen Kernel dash dash all thing. That said, it says in the, the handbook, apparently somewhere along the line in the kernel section, I skipped a step. And I don't know which one it was because the help that I got online wasn't all that helpful. But anyways, it, it said that um, a certain file in slash user something something Linux was not found. Like it just would not go through. Um, not sure why. Uh, and I, you know, I copied the error. You might have skipped sim linking the kernel. Like at the begin, at the beginning. It's possible the, like, the 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 error help that I found online when I searched the error, they said that I missed. Um, 
I don't remember the part that they said I missed. But anyways, I did the part that they said I missed, and it still didn't work. So I gave up. Like, I was just done with it. So I downloaded the Arch ISO and put Arch on here on that new new drive. And it mm-hmm. is working fantastically. <laughs> like, it's been working so good. I'm honestly quite surprised because usually I have a huge problem with Vanilla Arch. Usually mm-hmm. I spend like two or three weeks – like, oh my god, I forgot to uninstall that. I forgot to install that. So there's always these dependencies and stuff like that that I'm missing. For It like takes me like two weeks to get the computer back to where I need it to be. This time, I said, fuck it, I'm writing an install script. <laughs> so I wrote an install script for all my applications, I, all my sim links and stuff like that. I, I did a script for that. So that was really good. Um, yeah, so I'm back on Arch. I have not given up the dream of Gentoo, but Ben has talk, been talking me into something called Redcore. So I'm going to try Redcore. Redcore. It's apparently a Gen 2-based distribution. Um, Never heard of it. Yeah, neither have I. I got heard of the other two, Calculate and Sabion or whatever the hell it's called. Yeah. Um, But yeah, Redcore is apparently the Manjaro of Gen 2. So I'm going to give that a try. Uh, not on this I drive. I don't know that that's a selling point for me. <laughs> I don't know. Manjaro back in the day was a good alternative to Arch. Before Arch had a whole bunch of Arch-based distributions, Manjaro was the thing that you'd want to use. Um, so maybe that's the that's the thing. So I don't know. Um, yeah. So my experience this last week with Linux has been an interesting one. Uh, I will install Gen 2 again someday. But I've learned that I can't do it by myself. Like... One of the one of the comments on my stream from Sunday was like, "Yeah, this was really interesting, but it seems like your friend mostly did most of it for you, for you." Um, like, yes, that's true, but I did learn stuff. Like, I was, you know, reading the guidebook and stuff. Like, but it was that's the important part. It was it it, it, it took me like five to six installs before I could do it on my own, like and have it be successful and like fully functioning and not miss anything. Like. Gen 2 takes time. Like it's it's a little bit more convoluted than an Arch install. It just is. Doesn't mean it's impossible, but it's definitely more. Well, I even went the see. I I did. I went both easier and harder this time on my own because I didn't do the ButterFS thing, even though I really like ButterFS having it on my main system. So I was like, you know, what, fine. I'll just stick with the XT4. But because all the instructions are assuming that you have UEFI. I decided I would just do a UEFI install, and I've never done a UEF, UEFI install of any Linux distribution. So, um, until but I take that back now. This Arch install is UEFI. So, um, oh, okay. So I cannot no longer say that. Um, so uh, zero Linux uh, sent you some messages. Oh, I don't check mail very often. No, I'm really bad at that. Yes, I, I, I'm the worst. I think you sent me like a voice message on Anchor, uh, but I don't even know how to listen to it. So um, email probably would be the best way to get and contact me. Anyways, all right. So that, anyways, that's what uh, we've been doing in FOSS this this week. It's been fa- fant- fantastic in that I've done a lot of stuff and learned some stuff. But other than that, you know. It's a thing. Anyway, so moving on to the contact information. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can do so in any number of ways. You can email us at uh, – what is it? Email at the linuxcast.org, I think it is. Actually, I actually don't have that here, written here. Why do I not have the email thing? That's like the one thing that I should mention. But anyways, all of our 
contact information you can find at the linuxcast.org slash contact uh speaking of the linuxcast.org that is the website it is amazing and well updated slash sarcasm (laughs) 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 it's it's not well updated but it is there it does exist if you want to get uh find all of our past episodes you can find all of uh the few blog posts that i've created those things are there uh, and you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash linuxcast. You can follow Zany, Zany, uh, Tyler goes by Zany Online. I, I always mix that up. It's like Willy Wonka all over again. Um, Tyler goes by Zany Online. You can follow him on YouTube, youtube.com slash ZanyOG. Uh, Discord, he has uh, all that stuff. So all that, those links will also be at youtube.com, or not youtube.com, the linuxcast.org slash contact. So, uh, also make sure you subscribe to the, the linuxcast, youtube.com slash the linuxcast. Uh, you'll find there a whole bunch of content. Like, I'm pretty sure I just went over 500 videos, which is just, I mean, seriously. I've never done 500 of anything in my entire life. <laughs> the fact that I've done 500 videos just is, is nuts, especially in like a year and a half. Like, that's crazy sauce. Anyways, so youtube.com slash the next cast if you haven't subscribed already. I do appreciate it. Anyways, so Tyler, every week, you and I, we scour the interwebs for the most latest breaking exclusive news uh, we call our sources and um tell ask them what's going on in the world of of foss and they get back to us with these amazing things so tyler what is your news of the week mine is about DuckDuckGo and it um you know acting funky for the past little bit um, this is an article, it's it's from, like, a couple weeks ago, but it, I'm pretty sure we've all heard stuff about DuckDuckGo very recently, and there's a lot of debates over whether or not they're uh, really protecting your privacy, because not too long ago there was the whole DuckDuckGo kind of got caught like because of their agreement. They have an agreement with Microsoft, so they can't really block all of Microsoft's trackers and stuff like that. Um, there's in this article here, they're talking about their they were not purging YouTube DL or the Pirate Bay from their search results, but you can go down here and they actually have um, on. This is The Verge, which I'm not a massive fan of The Verge at all. But if you need a great PC build video that's so terrible it can make <laughs> you just cry your eyes out, oh, please go watch it. That poor guy who did that. Like, he was an idiot, but he did not deserve the hate that he – like, he's, he's an internet – he's an internet – he has internet fame forever. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, it's it's fantastic. It's a great laugh. If you're feeling down, just go watch the Verge's PC build. Trust me. You'll have a good laugh. No, no, don't do that. Watch the reaction videos on YouTube to the YouTube yes. views because some of yes. them are absolutely hilarious. Like, they're that, better than the That's thing. the best way to watch the original video is with someone commentating on it who builds computers professionally. Usually, is, I can't stand reaction videos. Like, I can't – it's just – lazy ass kind like i do lazy content like i i think we all know i do lazy content i do too i'm very happy with everyone some, does with it. some lazy content but reaction videos they're just so lazy like seriously all you're doing is watching a video and and occasionally commenting on it and usually when you're commenting on it you're being an asshole to the person you're re- reacting to and that just doesn't sit well to me but but 
I know, those those Verge ones, I don't care. Be asshole. Those are hilarious. <laughs> those are great. Like the people's reaction, like because they're like you can tell some people like actually physically recoil at some of the things that he does. It's great. It's fantastic. It's like those those videos you see every once in a while. Somebody building a, a PC instead of putting the the paste on top of the CPU, they get they squeeze out the entire tube right onto the pins. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, don't do that. That's not how it's supposed to work. <laughs> but with DuckDuckGo, they have a little animation thing that you can see where they actually show that um, they they were actually, like it wasn't being found, and then it is being found like a, a week later after they got essentially called out on it. So um, it it it's up for debate whether or not it was just the pirate bay was down or whatever, you know, like there's a whole bunch of controversy with duck, duck go right now. And I kind of just wanted to talk about it. Are you still using duck, duck go? And by still using, I know you never were like a massive fan of it because you'd constantly have to like, just use the Google shebang, but are, are you using duck, duck go now? Okay, so like, what's your opinion on it as of late? Well, I mean, obviously they've DuckDuckGo feels like they've been purchased by Mozilla. Um, like they've transitioned from being a privacy-focused search engine company to being a company that is more interested in figuring out how they're going to make their next dollar. Um, and everything they do feels like they're trying to push forward into making more and more money, which is fine. You you got to support yourself and you got to pay for the developers so like the the thing i've like honestly their their interest in making more money to support their development work would be fine if they actually had development work like they don't have their own search results like they use bing's they're basically a front end for bing for the most part right for the most well I mean, I mean i think they're it's debatable but i think for the most part that's pretty accurate yeah, so, so so that's where they get their search results and then they do some something to make them worse than being which is like like whatever development work they're doing basically they take being and make it somehow worse which i'm not actually sure how you accomplish that but they did in fact do it but to answer your question no i don't actually use DuckDuckGo. i don't think that surprised anybody what will surprise people is that for the last two months i've been using cirques as my main drop main search engine and Ooh. it is really good like i mean it is fantastically good um if if you get yourself an instance whether you use someone else's or your own and you get the settings set up just right so that you can get search results from like a whole bunch of different search engines google DuckDuckGo, bing like all of them like they're all there and you can get it set up just so that they're ranked in the appropriate way it's really good. Now there's still there still are times when I find myself going to Google, but maybe twice a week. Usually it has to do with image search, um, because the image search isn't all that great on Cirques. Uh, but other than that, I use Cirques full time now. Like it's even on even on my phone, I use a Cirques instance. So uh, it's that good. Ooh. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm gonna do my own Cirques engine instance one of these days. Um, I've been told both that it's really hard and really easy, so I don't know which it is. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, that's my article, and I think 
I think most people are moving away. Like I, I've kind of, I didn't even know that they had a deal with Microsoft. So like, I was like, wait, what? Like, well, I think, huh? I think their big problem is, is that they're trying, like I said, they're trying to be Mozilla in some ways. And like Mozilla has this big deal with Google, right? That's where Mozilla gets all their money from. And I think that DuckDuckGo, I mean, I don't, and I don't know the truth behind this or not, but it feels like they're trying to do the same thing, but with Microsoft, so that Microsoft kind of supports them, especially in their browser space. Like they want to create this browser, right? And in order to do that, they need to have some money because the, there's a big difference between taking Bing's search results and doing minimal stuff to it and then presenting it as your own search engine and actually creating like a web browser like that is good and people want to use. Like there's a big difference between that because – Wait, hold on. Are you sure? Because like pretty much everyone I know is just taking Chromium and they're being like, we got our own custom but, extension. Yeah, they're not doing that though, dude. They're not using Chromium at all. Um, oh, so they're building from the ground no, up? No, no, they're not doing that either. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no, no. What, okay, this is why their browser is so fucking confusing. Cause, so what they're doing, what they're doing, at least it, when they first announced it, what they're doing, I don't know where they're at now, but their announced intentions were that they were going to use the system-specific browser uh, engine on whatever OS they're using. So if they're using, like, uh, iOS, they'd use Safari. If they were using... Um, if they were using Windows, they'd use Edge, which I guess would be Chromium. If they're using um, Mac, they'd use Safari again. Uh, if they're using Linux, who the fuck knows what they're going to do? Because Linux does not have a default browser base. Maybe they'd use Firefox on. on that's why I was so confused. Like when, when we talked about this on the show, when they announced this, like because it doesn't make any sense that they're not going to have like one base browser that they're going to base themselves like we just assumed that it would be chromium but it's not actually chromium all the way across the board it was really weird i i if we talked about this i've totally forgotten about it this is so weird it's been about six months that even like it's been about six months or so i don't know how well it's working for them because it's only available right now on mac um i don't know i I don't know why they'd come up with this idea right because (laughs) That just sounds like so much extra work. Well, not only that, but by basing yourself on the platform's default browser, you're giving that platform power over your browser. So, but, and or just what happens if the platform changes its default browser? That or uh, when things are like Edge and Safari are not the same browsers, so they don't render the internet in the same way. Just like the same Firefox and Chromium, not the same browser. They use different engines. So that means that you could use DuckDuckGo on Windows and have your websites render in one way. Use your DuckDuckGo browser on the Mac and have them render in a completely different way. Like, you'd be using the same browser, but it'd be using a different engine. It was... It's just so weird. So dumb. Um... teach their own you know like go for it i hope it i hope it works out for them doesn't sound like the brightest plan i've ever heard but then again i'm just an idiot on the internet so like what do i know maybe it'll work out great for when they first announced it everybody was so excited like we're gonna have a third like a third you know like uh browser base maybe like they would create their own engine right That, that was that was the dream like finally someone else is coming around around maybe they'll do 
for Mozilla what Mozilla was hope, hoping to do with Firefox and has failed. You know, but no, that's not what they seem to be doing. So, um, yeah. All right. So moving on to we could. Be, <laughs> it, I said it uh, just a few minutes ago that but DuckDuckGo feels like the the, the new Mozilla. Like Mozilla is dead. Uh, we don't have to talk about them anymore. Like yeah, people still use their Firefox <laughs> and I still use it, but Mozilla is dead. We don't need to talk about them anymore. Uh, now we can bitch about DuckDuckGo being an open source company. Like. Or a, not even an open source company. They're more like a, a private, quote unquote, privacy respecting company that is uh, not so interested in your privacy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. All right, so like I just I, I just like the irony in a privacy focused company being like, yeah, we're not allowed to block Microsoft trackers. Like, what? That's awesome. <laughs> it's like the irony is just palpable. It's like, great. Like, we're, we're a privacy focused. Re- we're a privacy-focused company, except when (laughs) (laughs) there are exceptions. If you have enough money, you can uh, send us that money, and you'll be one of the exceptions. (laughs) Yeah, like, it's just like, you know, our mission statement, it changes with how much money is in front of us. You know, as as a poor bastard, I don't blame them. If Microsoft wanted to send me, you know, millions of dollars... You'd all be fucking tracked, man. <laughs> like I don't care. <laughs> like my ass is going to the Bahamas. <laughs> Good lord. All right, moving on to my news of the week. Uh, so mine's a little bit less controversial. Well, at least I'd think it'd be. But Arch has a new menu-based installer. Uh, it does not come. So they have had for probably about a year now. Uh, like an installer that comes with the actual ISO. It's actually on the ISO. It's called Arch Install. It would run you through a series of prompts in order to install Arch. And it started off pretty bad, but got better over time. Uh, This one here does not come installed on the ISO. You would have to install it. It's called Arch Install as well. So you just do sudo dash capital S Arch Install, and it'll replace the one that's on there. But this one here is a menu-based system, so um, I'm, I, I'd like to say that I've seen this kind of thing before. It does kind of look familiar. It's not really N-Curses, uh, but it's similar along those lines where you choose each option you want for your install uh, through a menu system, and it just will install Vanilla Arch Linux. It's supposedly really good. Uh, Brody did a review on it. It looked really fantastic then. Uh, and the one thing that I wanted to talk about here is what do we think about Arch actually having an installer of its own? Because the whole idea of Arch Linux, at least if you ask the Arch bros, is that you have to install it yourself. The The journey of installing vanilla Arch Linux is the reason why you install Arch Linux. Uh, because if you didn't, that's the reason why every time someone says, well, I, I use Arch but you're using Arco. You're not using Arch. How dare you use an Arch-based distro and call it Arch? You're obviously a, a faker. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, so I, I kind of like this move, though. Like I don't know about you, but this kind of makes it really hard to be the Arch like douchebag. Like where you're like, like the reason I use Arch is because it's really hard. Like it's really hard to install, and like people, not everybody can do it. Like, the Arch team has been making a massive push towards making Arch just easier for anybody to install. Like, 
regardless of what the argument is. It's just objectively more easy to install. Kind of makes it, kind of makes the Arch community need to have a shift towards, like, if you've got a problem, how can we make it easy to solve? Not just be like, read the manual and follow the 17 steps. You'll be fine. Like, I don't think Arch isn't really that way, but like, sometimes for a new new user they think it's going to be that complicated and when, and, when you, and when you just get told to like go solve it yourself like there's got like there's there's the man page or yep. like read the documentation read the effing like, manual right yeah yeah like when you go to a lot like see like here's the thing like with a big program like that's got a lot of different stuff like you know like the xorg page there's a lot of different shit on that page even though installing Xorg is like right there, it's a super easy part. When someone's unfamiliar and they see that table of contents, like they might be like, holy shit. Like it's, I don't know. There's, there's always the great people who will just like link you to that section in the documentation. And like, those are the really great people that like in, in pretty much every Linux community where like, instead of just, telling you to go read the documentation they tell you to go read the documentation but they link to the specific part that's relevant for you like i think i think that's just like if you're going to be helping someone and you're going to tell them that their problem like their question or their problem is already answered it's very simple and it's in the documentation instead of just saying that like link to that specific section yeah. especially with stuff like arch where they have they have those links that can take you to a specific section of the documentation. That's really how you should provide help. And I don't know, things like this make kind of just make it easier to get into Arch, like just mainline Arch compared to other distributions that are spinoffs. I I like it. I think it's a good thing. As a longtime Arch-based distro user, so like Arco for the longest time was my thing, I don't have a lot of room to stand and say that this is a bad thing, right? I think that in some ways, this is probably the best thing that ever happened to Arch Linux in that Arch, like Gen 2 in many ways, is very, like you were saying, it's very intimidating sometimes when you when you go to that install page in the Arch Wiki, you know, it can be very, very intimidating. Like there's a lot of stuff there. Like for the longest, like, eh, for the longest time, when I first tried, I was going to do do my first Arch install on a laptop without an Ethernet cable. And this was before this was back when they were before they redid the the Wi-Fi menu stuff. So this was when it was much harder to actually connect to the internet through Wi-Fi. And I never, not once, got past that point. And that was always the point where I just give up. Like, it, it, this is too hard to connect to the internet. Like, it should just, why is this not just easy to connect to the internet? Like, it, and it wasn't, right? I mean, it is now. Like, now it's not hard at all. And, but the documentation then even for connecting to the internet was all over the place. Like, they said if, they gave you instructions on how to do it if you were connected to Ethernet, which is fine, and just, you know, just move past this. But if you wanted to connect via Wi-Fi, you had to click on this, and you had to find the drivers that you were supposed to be using. You had to find the the name of your your, your, your network card, and it was all this stuff. Like, it was a pain in the ass. And I never got past Like, I was a complete noob at Linux anyways. Trying to do that just was completely over my head. Um, so I can see something like this, this menu, 
where it's just way easier. Like it's basically an arch-based distro now, but it's not because it's actually vanilla arch. You're just you you're basically using arch an arch install script is basically what you're doing, right? And I think that that's I think that's a good thing. I think once they get this menu system perfected, that it should come installed on the ISO. Like this should this should take over for the arch install that is on there once they get it uh, perfected, right? I think that'd be great. Um, I don't know. And then, I mean, there will always be that, like, I don't know, like, I think some people, like, are afraid that if they do something like this, you won't be able to install Arch, like, the old manual way. And I don't think that's ever going to change. Like, you'll still be able to leave the installer and, like, just do it manually if that's something, like, you know, you enjoy. Yeah. Or, like, that's a part that, like... If you are a masochist and would like to go through the pain of installing it through the traditional way i mean it's not actually that painful but i mean it, it could come across yeah. as that painful if it can in well, comparison I mean, it, it's not as easy like i mean there's there's obviously a reason they're working on this because it would make it easier and quicker but you know if i mean if you want to make if you want to do it the old way you want to make sure everything's done your way pro like how you see fit I don't think Arch is ever going to be like, that's not an option anymore. Like, that's not what Arch is. So, I don't know. Like, it can't really be a bad thing that Arch is getting easier to install for more people. Like, yeah. that can't be a bad thing. Now, now, Gentoo, you need to do something similar. <laughs> 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 you need to be easier to install, Gentoo. It's going to be good. All right. Uh, before we move on, a couple things I need to take care of. Uh, I didn't thank Zero Linux for the five dollar super chat. I do appreciate that. Um, I should have. I just read it. I should have said thank you. Um, but, so thank you. Also, Mislov, thanks for the super sticker. I think that's what that's called—a super sticker, um, a super emoji, something. I don't know what that that's actually called, but thank you for that as well. Um, somebody asked me if I've done a uh, an Arch install, like living it for a month. I'm actually using Arch right now, as I said at the beginning. Um, like it's basically like living in Arco, by the way, <laughs> because because I like everybody had this has this saying, right? Like our, your your arch-based distro, that's not arch. Like I'm sorry, yes it is. Okay, yes it is. Just because I did not install Arco the same way you install Arch doesn't mean that it's not arch. It is arch. And now you can make the argument that Manjaro is not arch. You can make that argument because they don't pull from the arch repos. Arco does. Arco's an yeah. Arco's. I, I think I think of the better statement is not every like spinoff distro is the same as the parent, but some definitely are. Like Ubuntu, like Linux Mint is not Ubuntu, but at the same time, like something like Pop OS, you could say is definitely like it's definitely Ubuntu. It's just better. Like it's improved. But again, not better it, 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 with every distro. It's like improvements for s mo some people, like a portion of people. Like not everyone's going to benefit from the improvements that Pop OS makes on Ubuntu. Some people are going to be fine with Ubuntu and prefer it. Like that's yeah. fine. But it's the same thing with Arco. Like Arco is Arch. Like and someone, someone, just, someone in, in the comments said that it, it's it's bloated and comes with a whole bunch of stuff. That is true. It's Arch with a whole bunch of stuff on top of it. That's ex that that's true. My judgment on whether or not an Arch-based distro is basically Arch is whether or not it pulls from the same repositories as Arch does. Arco does, therefore, it is an Arch. It's Arch. 
Right. Yes, it has other repositories added on top. Like it has Arco has its own repositories, but it also has Arch's repositories. So it's it is Arch. Manjaro, like on the other side, it doesn't pull from the Arch repositories. It pulls from its own own repositories first and only. Uh, therefore, not Arch. It's an Arch-based distro. It's a stupid argument, I understand, but it always like one of the things you'll if you've ever used an Arch-based distro and you're using an Arch-based distro that is. Um, not well supported like it doesn't like it doesn't have a lot very big community maybe it's really small or something so you're like well i'm using arch based distro it's basically arch i'm going to go to the arch forums and try to get help if you try to get help and tell them you're using an arch based distro see their reaction it's <laughs> you're it's like you jumped into a pool of piranhas and they're all going to rip you to little bitty bitsy pieces um it, it, it they're very not interested in the people using arch-based distros in the arch they want you to go get your support from the distro maintainer which i can understand like in a way i can, like they don't want to support other people's work but um they could be a little bit more friendly about it anyways that's end for the news that's it for the news so that means it's time to move on to the main topic which uh, we are uh 43 minutes in mm-hmm. not a record uh <laughs> no uh not a record we're pushing it we're getting there we're not a record anyway so the main topic this week so one of the things that has kind of come up over the last six months or so as linux has gotten more popular like or at least maybe not more popular like as in more people using it but, but more in the mainstream media like since linus did his thing and the steam deck came out and stuff like that so you know it since that time, Linux has gotten at least, you know, somewhat more popular in some, you know, meaning of the word. There's been a lot of discussion about from the very entrenched people in the Linux community of whether or not we are happy that it's getting more popular. Because the, there is an, a thought in the Linux community that Linux is better off as a small, very niche thing where, yes, it grows you know, a little bit, but for the most part, it's just the thing that has always been very much a, uh, a also, you know, a wannabe Windows, <laughs> what somebody, somebody described as a wannabe Windows the other day <laughs> um, in one of my comments, but, you know, whatever you describe, it's always, they, their argument is that it's better off to say small. So, Tyler, what do you think of this? Do you think that we even want Windows or Linux to win, quote unquote, win? I totally understand the argument from a security standpoint. Like, it's better that it stays small for security just because, like, and, and like, I don't know, like, security and privacy because really the reason security and privacy is, like, under attack is just for money. And if we're a small community um, or even a more large community, but we're still a community that agrees that like, we don't really spend money unless it's to donate to something that like we use often or very much enjoy. And it, even, and even it, then let's be honest about this. The vast we majority don't give of people are as like much. Nah, maybe one or $2, but yeah. mostly nah. Well, and, and it's because you're not really forced into like, well, I right. either like he, you've got the option of, well, I've got $40 to give, so I'll spread it around to all these different projects and help out all of them a little bit and, like, 
companies would prefer like no like give us all that for like you choose one of us and hopefully we're the one adobe's we'll like take all the give us 900 dollars a month and we yeah, will give right. you a piece of software that was developed in the 1990s <laughs> and I, I i understand that like a, a business like it's it's not like i i'm clueless or don't understand that's how business works i, under, I understand that but at the same time it it makes us less of a target when we're known as not being like very open to spending a lot of money. Um, I mean, if you think about it, like it's kind of like, you know, if you were going to rob someone, like if you were really bad off and you were going to rob someone, you probably wouldn't rob the like closest homeless dude to you. Like, you know, like you'd probably rob someone who's like well off. Like those guys like, out in California who are, 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 are they're camping out at like fancy restaurants and then following the people in the really expensive cars home to rob them. <laughs> yeah. You don't yeah. follow the guy in a 1997 Chevrolet Beretta. Okay. <laughs> Unless he has really nice spinners on it, in which case maybe you do. <laughs> I mean, you just, you just don't, I mean, you don't follow the guy with a beater up, you know, like it's just, as it, I understand that argument for Linux staying small, but I, I, I think the fact that, Linux is getting more popular is not like something that has to be addressed. Like it's a, however you want to say it, like a byproduct, a symptom of just Linux getting better. Like, and I, and I think that's kind of obvious. Like Linux has not only supported more software, but it's, it's just gotten more reliable. It's gotten better to use. Easier to install. Yeah. Yeah, like it's uh, across the board, Linux has gotten just much better, mm -hmm. uh, especially it, especially over the last five years, even more so if you take into account 10 years. And if you go 10 years back, like the improvement is unbelievable ten, on the Linux yeah, side. 10 years ago, try to play a Windows game on Linux. No. You I mean, would like, probably just, rather run in front of a bus, <laughs> just saying you have a better time. Your, your luck was real low like, real low but i mean it's got it just across the board in every area linux has gotten better maybe you can make the argument that in security it's gotten not as better just because there's more people using it there's more there's more projects springing up there's more opportunity for vulnerabilities to be implemented or exploited mm -hmm. but i think for the large part, like that is just a symptom of everything else in Linux getting better and more people not just wanting to use it, but also develop for it. Yeah. And of, of course, if you have a large group of people that now want to develop for something, there's going to be small, few little douchebags who are like, I'm going to make malware. Like, it's just, it's going to happen. But yeah, I, I I think I think that's something that we can deal with, and we're obviously like as Foss, we're more set up to deal with it. There's a lot more people who would who would like and feel kind of good by giving some time to like audit Foss code, like you know, like Microsoft or any other big company has to pay someone to audit their code. Nobody's really doing it or wants to do it in their free time. But we have a community of people that there's a small portion of that really do enjoy auditing code. And that's a good thing. Yeah. So I don't know. I think we can handle it. 
Okay, so I'm like you. I, I think that there's a part of me that understands the argument and even agrees with it. Like, in, in, some small part of my brain thinks that I don't want Linux to ever be more than, you know, 3 or 4% of the market. And maybe it never even will get there. Um, and, and the reason why is because one of the things that I enjoy most about the Linux community is that it is small and it feels... You know, it feels like, I mean, yes, we have our assholes. We have many assholes in the Linux community. Any community over the size of three has the, you know, an asshole. If you have, if you have a community of three people, one of them is an asshole. It's like, it's a Newton, it's like the fourth Newton law or something. But the, the, you know, but for the most part, the Linux community, because it's so small and insular, you know, is very friendly and it's very nice to interact. I mean, you and I have both. We are friends because of the Linux community, right? Yes. And, you know, you and Scott, friends because of, you know, the Linux community, right? You meant through meant through Discord, you know, and you and I both have many different stories of meeting actual people that are now friends, you know, because of this thing called Linux. And it's amazing. And I worry that if Linux was way more popular, like Windows more popular, like that size, it wouldn't be as easy to have you know, that kind of intimate experience between, you know, a, a small group of people. And there is probably some truth to that, but I, I also think that if Linux were to get to that point, like where they're like 50% of the market, Linux would just continue to do what it always does and it would fragment into smaller communities. So like you'd have the Arch community, you'd have the Gen 2 community, right? And those would then remain small enough where you'd still have that camaraderie amongst people who use the same stuff you you do and uh so i I think that my fear of it becoming less community-based at least in in the sense of the way it is now is kind of it it just wouldn't happen that way um and you you, i i really don't know because i feel like if i mean if you if if we all uh, think about it for a second like the majority of people who use windows aren't the people you see on windows support forums and like windows communities like a lot a lot of the people that use windows are just your average joe smo who just uses it to do business shit on and it cares nothing for what he runs they, they either run chrome all day long and never go into a different application or uh they open an excel or something <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah um so you talked a lot about security, and that's really the biggest like argument people have against Linux getting big, right? And and Glowsec in the in the chat said uh, security by obscurity is what he was talking about, right? And there is some thing to that, but the thing is like Linux is not obscure. I, like that's the thing is like Linux is the most used operating system on the planet, whether you like it or not, and that's absolutely the truth. Like we think it's Windows, but it's actually Linux because if if you count mobile and servers, it blows Windows out of the water. Okay, like that's the thing. And so P, there is a ton of Linux malware and spyware and viruses and stuff out there, but they're not targeting a random Ubuntu user. They're targeting the the server space. That's where all the bad stuff happens, and. That's because that's where they can make their money. Like, like you, you're going to make a lot more money blackmailing, you know, uh, Amazon than you would by blackmailing Tyler. You know, it's just yeah. 
law of economics, law of economics, you know, <laughs> it's just, just the way it works, you know? So the, the, the argument that the only way Linux can remain secure is by staying small is, doesn't really work for me because it's already so big. Now you could argue that if the desktop Linux got bigger, that there would be more chances for, you know, spyware and stuff like that. And that's probably true. But the one thing that I've learned in five years of using Linux full time is that Linux is not perfect. There's always flaws. Like there's tons of zero days and, uh, you know, random uh, root access things that like there was one on Ubuntu not so long ago that if you you type the word, the letter A over and over and over again, it would give you access to the system, you know, immediately. Right. Maybe it wasn't the letter A, but it was something like that. Right. Um. They discovered that one day it was patched the next day, right? That's the thing about Linux that you don't really get on Windows. Like when Windows has a problem, they have to wait until the next Tuesday to patch it because they have a day for that, you know? <laughs> Windows, we have no patch days. If they find something, they will patch it. Now, there's an argument that like there's a lot of people using like really old kernels that no longer get updates or whatever, but that's a problem for everybody. Like there's people still using Windows XP. You know, that's not <laughs> a problem that's unique to Linux. For the most part, if you're using Linux, you're probably using something that's still maintained. And that means that when well, I mean, they... even if it's old, too, like, yeah. I, you do have to make that pretty clear. Like, a lot of people are like, well, I mean, there's plenty of people using older versions of Ubuntu. It's like, yeah, but those are LTSs. Like, they're yeah. still getting support. Canonical's still supporting, like, 14, like, 1404 or whatever it is. Like, that was, that's eight years ago. They're still supporting that thing. Now, granted, the people who are using that are having to pay for that support, but whatever, you know. But the, the, the my point was, is that... When we find these things, not only do more people who look at, able to look at the code, because that's the thing about open source, is you can look at the code, and that means people are finding the flaws much easier than they can with a small group of people at Microsoft, because those are the only people looking at the code there. You know, it, you have an entire community looking at the code, finding flaws, and when they're when they find the flaws, because they're going to find them, because no software is perfect, it's almost immediately fixed if it's a huge security vulnerability like almost immediately now it doesn't mean that like there are some kde bugs that you know haven't been fixed in 15 years <laughs> okay they're just you know they've been there forever but you know that's just it, uh, so bugs that's are going to be there with everything but yeah like, just... e everything has old shit that just needs to be fixed and they haven't gone back and done it um that's true with as, as far as i know it's it, it's the same with Windows, Linux, and even Apple software. Like, mm -hmm. just, there's shit that needs to be addressed that, like, everyone agrees need needs to be addressed, but just, ooh, well, we haven't gotten around to it. We just, we ain't got time. We got too much shit going on, which well, is, KD's problem is, like, we got other new features to add, man. <laughs> well, <laughs> we exactly. The They've bugs. got 15 every week. I mean, it's hard <laughs> to go back and fix shit, okay? <laughs> they got priorities. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I honestly, to the bottom line, I'm happy that Linux is getting more popular. Uh, I'm still pretty pessimistic on the idea of them ever of, of Linux actually being like hugely popular in the desktop space. Like I think that I think five percent of the desktop market is probably the peak, and we're not even close. Like we're not there yet, ever, and maybe never we'll get there. Um, 
So I'm very. Pessimistic. I just think that's realistic, though. I don't think that's very pessimistic. That's just realistic. Well, I mean, like, all right. We would need a massive, like Microsoft would have to turn into Linux. I'm not. And then it would become massively popular. Yeah, I'm not gonna point out any Linux YouTubers, but you'll know who I'm talking about. When the Steam Deck was announced, there are, were, well, there were several Linux YouTubers that just got on there like, this is the year of the Linux desktop. This is, you know, th this thing is going to make Linux. Linux is all of a sudden going to become the most popular operating system. And then they proceeded to do a Steam Deck video every day for the last six months. Um, I like the Steam Deck. I still have mine on order. It will get here eventually. <laughs> but mm -hmm. yeah. I got mine reserved as well. I'm yeah. very excited. <laughs> okay. But not that excited because you can't hold your breath that long. It'll get here eventually. No. Hopefully by Christmas it'll be, it'll be here. I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get mine around my birthday. like, And that's a few months from now. Like, mine, originally said, mine originally said quarter two. Mine now says quarter three. So, Same. Yeah, Same. so um, eventually. <laughs> uh, yeah. that, that, that's eventually. <laughs> Like, I'm okay with that. But my, my point was, is, is that it doesn't, like, Valve could sell 30 million Steam Decks, and that'd be considered an amazing success. You know, they could sell 100 million Steam Decks, and it'd be an amazing success. But even then, that is not going to budge the needle on the number of Linux installs. Like it's no. Not, well, I mean, it, like, I think a lot of people have this idea that, like, people are going to get their Steam Deck and be like the like and think that like the average consumer which i'm not saying the average consumer is like stupid like please no one take that as what i'm saying i'm act, like what i'm trying to say is the average consumer is not interested in their os so no average consumer is going to get their steam deck go the thing that is on this is so amazing i'm going to install it on my desktop yeah like no they're just going to be like the steam decks awesome and then they're going to play with the Steam Deck. Yeah. Their Windows desktop is most likely not going to change as long, especially if they don't care about it. Like yeah. they they just go to their Windows desktop and use Chrome just like they always have. You know, exactly. that, um, like, that's the way most people use their computers, and it's depressing because there there were in the in the Linux community, um, all of us nerds, we take pleasure in installing Gentoo and breaking Gentoo. You know, those types of things. Like, we, we, we take pleasure in, in that, right? All the nerdy testing. We, we like installing Arch Linux. We like, like, even if you are just using Linux because you want to use Linux and you don't care about tweaking and customizing and stuff, you still have some drive to at least understand how Linux works and, you know, how your desktop works and stuff like that. You know, no one's ever used Linux and not known they used Linux. You know what I mean? Unless yeah. somebody else installed it for you and then they tricked you into it, you know. If you I mean, that's like the only way you can stumble into using Linux, the vast majority, like 99% of people, installed Linux themselves, so they know they're using Linux. If you're a regular Joe Smell, you probably don't know what you're running. Like my mom doesn't know the difference between Windows 7, and Windows 10. Like she knows she she knows she's running Windows, but that's only because I've harped on her trying to get her to switch to linux so many times that <laughs> she even knows that there's a difference right so um yeah like most people just they they, they don't know like like I, we always generalize a little bit too much on like well yeah it's the old people that don't know but no like there's a ton of young people who don't give a rat's ass what operating system they use well um, and it's kind of obvious too like i mean the guy who like he just wants to watch football like 
probably doesn't care. Like, if you're just, like, if you're a massive super, like, like, super mega football fan, that's all you care about, you love sports, and, like, hunting on the weekends. Like, the idea that, like, oh, you, do you not also install Gentoo in your free time? Like, no, like. I don't. I don't expect that guy to. And I. What's the Gen? I don't know, like the what's the Gen two? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, the, I, I don't imagine that guy getting a Steam Deck and being like, "This is great." So like, my kids can play games on the road or like whatever, and being like, "I wonder what's on this," because I bet it would go great on my computer. That's why I laughed at the Linux YouTubers who actually have a Steam Deck right now, who made videos about how it works so well when you plug it into a monitor and KDE comes up, like. For those, for your, for the Linux YouTuber audience, that probably is a really good video and really good content, right? Um, but the average person who bought, who bought the Steam Deck is never plugging that thing into a monitor. Maybe they'll plug it into a TV. Maybe. But here's the cool part: the first time a reg, like just somebody who like doesn't doesn't know shit about computers or like anything, mm-hmm. takes their Steam Deck and is like, well, as far as I know, I can dock it and play games on like the big screen like plugs it up and it just you get a seemingly regular desktop like and it's just a computer that one is that one is going to be very cool for a lot of people like i can see a lot of people going what the hell is this like this is really cool well i mean there's going to be some people who are going to say well yeah this is really cool but they're going to be the the utter noobs that are going to plug it in and expect it to be like the the switch where when you plug the switch in it just looks like a switch they have the same interface and stuff like that right and yeah. you know it, it just starts like you plug it in and you, i never had a switch I, I want to agree with you but i know for a fact that their desktop does or i want to say i know for a fact but as far as i've been told from someone who has a steam deck like it's pretty obvious how to bring up big picture mode when you hit the desktop so like if you or like, you know, like the Steam Deck version of big picture, you know, like you get the overlay and everything just like you would have on the Steam Deck. So you can easily go from the desktop back there. But I don't know. I don't know. I can I can definitely see some people being like, no, nah, well, what is this? I just want my console from from the from the video. Huh. I saw it's like it's not hard. Like it's there's just there's a everybody knows icons on the desktop, probably. Mm-hmm. So just clicking on Steam on the desktop, you know works just fine but there's still there's that integration that the 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 switch has when you plug like you can be playing your game on the switch plug it into its dock and the game comes up on the tv yes i don't think that the steam deck is there yet um and i think but in my opinion i don't i I don't know i think a lot of people would be blown away because like I don't know that I call that integration. I just call that, like, what the Switch is. Like, you're not going to dock the Switch and have it do anything other than bring up a game or something. Like, you can barely do shit on a Switch. Like, as far as I know, like, it wasn't until recently where you could watch TV on the damn thing. I I understand that they're different things, right? I understand that they're different things, and you understand that they're different things, but regular Joe Schmoe off the internet may not understand that they're different things because they're similar. See, I disagree with that just because all of the marketing for the Steam Deck sells it as it's just a computer. Yeah, I mean, you might be right, but I think, I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I have less 
faith in the average intelligence of people than you do. <laughs> uh, Ozzy the Terrible know. says I think, they're... I, I think most people who are going to spend like more than a couple hundred dollars are going to also like do some research into what the product is. I I know there will be that handful of people out there who are like, I just I just bought it. I didn't know anything. It looked it looked cool, and then we're upset like that it's not just a switch. But I don't know. I feel like most people are gonna be like, I'm spending over a couple hundred dollars. Should probably see what this thing is. Yeah. Anyways, Ozzy the Terrible says there needs to be better integration with monetary incentive like cryptocurrency bug bounties integrated with the OS and stuff. Um, no. man, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, I, you, I don't know about cryptocurrency, but I do think that that bug bounties work, and that's definitely yeah. something that uh, the open source community doesn't do well. But that's just because there's not, a, I mean, like, I'm sure Canonical and um, like Red Hat, they probably have bug bounty programs. But, you know, like Arch Linux, there's no way they could do that, you know. Uh, regular open source projects not going to be able to do that because there's just not, I mean, there's not money for that, right? Because there's no big no. corporate backers. Those are the only two that we got. And Well, uh, and I mean, also, like, especially when the Val, when Val comes in, I don't think any cryptocurrencies you brought it, just, just put out some ba- bug bounties and then just give, like, people, like, five bucks in their Steam account. Like, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. There you go. Um, I mean, at least in my opinion, I think that would go a lot. Like, I'd I'd look for bugs. Like, I'd be like, give five, ten bucks on my Steam account. Like, they get like you can buy, you you can Vampire Survivors, which is a fantastic game on Steam. I'm definitely gonna be playing it here before too long. Just like live streaming it, it's three bucks on Steam. Fantastic. All right. So my the thing is 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 if you make the bug bounty too low to the point where anybody thought that they could do it, people would be reporting bugs that weren't actually bugs. So that would make triaging those bugs, you know, like, because if yeah. you made just like, so like a like regular Joe Schmo could report a bug, like, and they can, but if they thought that they had an incentive to do this often, that they thought that they could make some money off from it, uh, they'd report things that they would just, it's them doing something wrong. I mean, no, it's not, it's not going to be a huge I don't, thing, but it's going to happen. I, I agree with you somewhat there, but I, I know for a fact that no matter what, you're going to get false bug reports and uh, quite a few of them, whether the bounty's $5 or $350,000. The, the thing is though, is when you've made that, when you've made that incentive to report bugs, like, and you've made it to the point where it's, you know, like, yeah, it's only five bucks, but, you know, it, it's still going to incentivize more people to look for bugs than would otherwise. And I think that that's a good thing. But when you incentivize people to report bugs in that way, you're also incentivizing the bad stuff, too. So you're not only – when you incentivize that kind of thing, you're not going to just get the good bugs. You're, you're also going to have to – deal with the false reports and the things that aren't actually bugs and people who are just thinking that even if you didn't put a dollar amount to it there though right people would still do but, that. but, the, but the thing is is that without the dollar amount people aren't going to report bugs because we know that like right now people don't report bugs at all because they have very little incentive to do so uh, exactly so well but, but i mean it, like but if, if, if you put it if you put a monetary incentive on it no matter what that monetary incentive is you're going to have an influx of bug reports which is like i said a good thing but the good always comes with the bad so there's going to be some kind of 
that's still maybe, better than getting no bug reports. And, and like, I, I think I agree with that. I'm just saying that because the open source community is so small, and the developers usually these develop these projects are developed by one or two people, right? So the more bugs you have come in, the more you have to go through. Oh, well, but that's the thing. Small, pro- we're talking about Valve. Like, small projects can't afford to do this like, yeah. at all. I was, look- I was thinking more of to. the, you know, overall Floss community thing. I don't know. Um. Anyways. um. I mean, some probably could. Like, I mean, you know, like, bigger projects could definitely afford to do it. Well, I mean, but, with your five... I mean, because it's not like you're going to pay out for every bug report Well, and with... True. With your $5 thing, like, if somebody had, like... If somebody like raised like ten thousand dollars or something like that and put like two thousand dollars of that towards bug <coughs> bounties that are like five bucks each you know i don't i don't i don't know if five bucks is ever going to spawn a lot of stuff so it probably wouldn't even be a big problem anyways martin says uh i'm using my steam deck as a work computer via vpn instead of the horrible nova crap they give us um that's pretty freaking cool thanks for the super chat martin uh like <coughs> Martin, you're the exactly the type of person who would use that kind of thing, right? And I would be the type of person who would use the Steam Deck as a computer, and Tyler would be. I'm just not sure that regular Joe Schmo is that type of person. Um, I think it's more like Tyler's going to be like they're going to stumble into it, they're going to connect it to a TV, and all of a sudden have KD blown up into onto an 80 inch screen, and uh, realize that first they're going to have to deal with scaling issues. <laughs> Things are going to be really big, um, but <coughs> so but, but also, uh, you know, they're going to like wait a minute. I plug this thing in now. I need a mouse and keyboard because it's more. It's looks like a. It looks like a. It looks like Windows, uh, for the most part. But you know, so they're going to assume then that they need a, a mouse and keyboard because it looks like an operating system, uh, even though you could still use the you know the buttons on the deck. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think it, I well, think it that, had... and they have a touchpad. So like, I mean, I feel like for the people who stumble into it and realize that they can use it as a computer, but they're like, I just, I just want to play a fucking Steam game on my TV. Like, yeah, just use the touchpad, load up Steam, and then you're like, oh, okay, I'm right back here, and then just go on about your day. I, I don't know. I think it might be jarring for some, but I don't think the jarring aspect will be enough to where they go. I dislike this product. Oh no, I don't. I I think that once they realize what it is, they'll think it's cool. But that the initial confusion could cause some. Well, I mean, it will cause confusion, right? Yeah. Yeah, and um, I, I guess you're right. Like that, you never really. I I don't think when you're giving someone a first impression of anything, like, and a first impression can go for like any part of a product experience, like not just opening the box, starting to play with it, but docking it. If that confuses the shit out of some somebody, that's not a good well, thing. That and people are lazy. I mean, like astonishingly lazy. And when they come up against a barrier of any kind, no matter how easy it is to solve the barrier, because in this case we're talking about literally moving the mouse up and clicking on the fucking icon. That's all. Well, we are all examples of that. We are all this right. person. But like everybody is. Right. Yeah. People are are inherently lazy, and that means that when they hit that roadblock. At least some percentage of the people who wanted to use their Steam Deck on the TV are just going to nope right out of it. They're going to go back, yeah. they're going to unplug it, and they're going to, you know... Well, and the even desk. the person who might want to do it, if you're in a type of mood where you're just like, I'm just kind of done right now, I just I just want to do this one thing, I'm, 
you're just not in the mood for something and just you, you hit that confusion point even somebody who would typically go yeah uh, like uh, i'm down to learn about this or figure this out or whatever like see what's going on here might go uh, all right i'm just i'm just done i can't take this like yeah i, I just wanted to relax like that eh, i i definitely understand that like I don't know. The Steam Deck's one of those ones where, like, I, I think a lot of people had a little bit too much faith in how much it was going to make Linux popular. Um, just because, like, when you're a fan of Linux, like, you kind of hope that other people will be like, I want to be a fan of Linux too now. But when it comes to the Steam Deck, like, at the end of the day, it's a handheld console. And that's what people care about. Like, that's the cool part. Yeah. Like, lin- like the fact that it runs Linux is neat for some people like for us like for us it's like oh that's fucking cool finally somebody's like using linux in a big product in a massive product but also like most people are going to be like sounds neat like cool well uh, then there'll be some people who have uh not a lot of knowledge of linux but maybe they have or maybe they don't have current knowledge of Linux. They'll, maybe they tried Linux back in the 90s, and they hear that this thing runs Linux. They haven't tried Linux since the 90s. They're like, oh, I don't know, man. Gaming on Linux yeah. isn't all that great. You know? <laughs> they haven't, or, or they go, I, I'm going to have to check this out because like, there's no way that they make, they're making a gaming console. Like, yeah, I've used, like, yeah, I've used Wine back in the 90s. <laughs> like, I, yeah. like, I did this. It didn't work good. Um, yeah, it's a... Uh, I, the Steam Deck is very uh, – it, it gives hope for a lot of things, but also, I don't know, it makes me uh, very cynical about a lot of people, right? All right. I, I just think it, it, the Steam Deck highlights that one day, like, not only will other manufacturers start using Linux, mainly just because of the licensing aspect of it. With pretty much everything else, like uh, every other option on the market, you're gonna have to do some sort of licensing agreement. Dude, well, I don't, I don't, I don't even about that. the license. I mean, licensing is part of it, but most of it's money, right? Like, well, I mean, that's that's what I'm talking about. Right. Licensing costs money. Right. So that, that um, there's one that was just released not too long ago. It was like $299. It has Windows on it. Like you know that that company is not making any money off from that whatsoever because Microsoft charges $110 for a freaking license. You know what I mean? So that means, you know, it can depend though. Well, I, I know that they get discounts, but I'm just, I'm just saying that they. Oh well, I'm not even talking about discounts because, like, here's the thing: it's kind of just like, you know, like the Amazon tablets. Like, they can make deals where, like, essentially, like Microsoft won't charge them because they let them add in a whole bunch of extra bits for like their brand partners i guess yeah. like you know like candy crush like all that stuff like if if you allow microsoft to just load up all of their like sponsorships and like all their band like just promote all of their partners w- with your install you might not even have to pay for it like it, there can be a whole bunch of like loopholes in the way that they do business to like make it more feasible but it i don't know at the end of the day you're yeah, uh, as a manufacturer, you may not have to spend any money on like the licensing aspect of it, but your end user is going to get a worse experience. Like yeah. there's 
there's nothing better than like, I think we can all agree on this. There's, there's nothing better than the experience of loading up a windows install and seeing TikTok, candy crush, Spotify, um, uh, like chimp champ, uh, whatever other brand partner that they have that just thrown on like, yeah, their uh, system. Like we, the thing is, we that did was heavy sarcasm. We, we did that. Like you can still go out and buy a two hundred dollar Windows laptop, uh, but you should not do so because <laughs> there's a re- there's, like that company's gonna make their money. Anyways, um, Swayam, I'm I apologize if I mess up your name there. Uh, says uh, unless desktop distros make money, I don't think they will become mainstream. Mainstream OSs, OSs require polish and they should just work. And no one is going to work on the aspect for free. That's 100% true. Also, thanks, thanks, thanks for the super chat. Uh, and then, uh, not the engineer asked if I was talking about the AO Neo Air. I don't know what it was called. I just know it was like 2.99 or something like that, and it was really small. Um, it looked cool, but I was hoping it was it would run Linux, but it didn't. It was a Windows thing. Uh, anyways, yeah. So, um, I think that we've beat this topic has taken us through many different things. <laughs> so that yes. was really good. So uh, moving on to the last section that we do every week. So uh, other podcasts have things called like picks of the week or tips of tricks of the week. Uh, Destination Linux has tips, tricks, and and software picks. I think is what they call it because they're 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 rhyming geniuses. Um, us, not so much. We call our thing the thingy of the week. So Tyler, what is your thingy of the week? Mine is Lolcat. Um, I, most people I would assume have heard of this, but if you haven't, fantastic. If you use terminals a lot, play around with lolcat, type shit into lolcat. It's fun. Um, colorizes stuff and I've just, I didn't have a good, like, idea for what I would want to throw in for the thingy of the week and... I just was playing around with Lolcat. I was like, well, you know what? I can I can just throw this in here. So if you haven't heard of Lolcat, it colorizes your terminal output, kind of gives it like a rainbow effect. It's not very functional, but definitely fun to play around with. So I'm if you haven't su- checked it out, it's fun. I'm surprised there's not somebody in chat saying, bloat, bloat, <laughs> bloat. Of course it is. It's not, again, it's not functional. It's fun. Like, <laughs> games are bloat okay but it doesn't mean they aren't fun sometimes yeah okay? I, I i agree i just was i just thought, i thought for sure there'd be somebody out there nah, this is bloat why would i ever <laughs> want to use that uh, all right so my thingy of the week is an app my thingy of the week is called flat seal and it is a flat pack it's the only way you could get it and the only reason you'd really want it but if you use flat packs one of the coolest features of them is that you can download this thing called FlatSeal and control the permissions of the flat packs that you have on your system. So if you download something like Discord and you don't want to have have access to your home directory for no apparent reason, uh, you could turn off access to the home directory using FlatSeal for Discord if you've installed Discord through Flatpak. Same thing if you don't want it to have access to like the camera or the microphone or whatever. If you want to try to make p- f- uh, Discord a little bit more privacy focused, you could do so using FlatSeal. But it's just not Discord. It's also things, any, literally anything that comes through Flatpak, you can do this with. And it just gives you an, a, a really long list of permissions that are, for the most part, off by default because Flatpaks are supposed to be sandboxed. 
but uh, if for whatever reason you get into an application that doesn't have access to the home directory, but you need it to, you can use Flat Seal to give it access to the home directory, so you can get access to your like your pictures folder or whatever, uh, whatever you need to do. And like I said, Flat Seal will give that permission to that really easy in a GUI interface, so it's not hard to you know use or anything. It's like it's not like a a, a command line interface or anything like that. So it's really good, um, and I uh, install it all the time because permissions on Flatpaks by default are kind of all over the damn place. So that's mine. All right, so. Uh, that is it for this week. Uh, we are uh, coming up next week. I don't know what we're. I have, you know, honestly, I have no true, no idea what we're doing next week. Uh, I'm really bad at planning. Like really, really bad at planning. So uh, we do record this live every Thursday at three o'clock p.m. Eastern time. And for those of you who are watching live right now, you'll notice something different. It's not Thursday. It's Friday. Uh, but what you going to do? So normally we record this live Thursdays, 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. That's 4 p.m. Central. You do the math on the rest of them. I can't be asked to do that. Anyways, that is um, it for this week. Before I go, I should take a moment to thank my current patrons. You can support me on Patreon at patreon.com slash linuxcast. Uh, thanks to Robert, Sid, Devon, Patrick, Fred, Kramer, Tri-Devil, Antoine, Uncle Bonnet, KB, Griff's Lounge, Griff's Lounge Ma- Maglin, Jack Snack, Jules, Steve, Zephyr, Linux, Garrick, Samuel, TGV, Keith, Andy, Gary, Ross, Mitchell, J-Dog, Carbonated, Jeremy, Sean, Odin, Marnie, Eduardo, Archner, Elliot, Mislov, Merrick, Cam, Joshua, Lee, Peter, A. Crucible, Dark, Menace, Experiments, PM, Arlock, One, and Philip. Oh, God. Thanks, everybody, <laughs> for watching. We'll see you next week.